Tonight we are talking about something that's incredibly important to let you know how we value our students at Northland Christian School and we value scripture memory at Northland Christian School. The passage we're covering tonight is actually what they are covering at school, memorizing this month. And every few years, they have to rememorize it. And so this is a very important passage of Scripture that is incredibly valuable. Now, we're talking about tonight through our passage, we're talking about how to get to know Christ personally. How to know Christ personally. Now that may just, it depends on where you are in your Christian walk, that may just be words to you. Or you may think, oh, this sounds like some weird kind of spirituality, kind of weird Christian false spirituality, mysticism. No, we're not talking about mysticism. We're talking about Bible, okay? This is the Bible way that we're talking about. But it is an important thing. And uh, I was reflecting on this today, and I thought, one group of people that I have a real heart for and a real interest in is new believers. I love to see new believers but I have compassion on them because they have entered into something that they don't have a clue what's coming. And there's ups and downs and there's growing pains as a Christian and there's trials and testings that are going to come that are new to them and they're going to make mistakes, they're going to stumble, they're going to fall and all that. I just want to help them. They're babies. I want to help them. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way. They're spiritual babes. They're new to the family of God. And so this issue of knowing the Lord personally is a very big deal in the Christian life, and it will help keep a person going. Of course, the way you enter the Christian life is by putting your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. The Bible tells us we're all sinners. The Bible tells us that our sin has to be paid for, that heaven's a perfect place. We can't get into heaven with our sin. And if we pay for our sin, if we die with our sin— unpaid, so to speak, okay, or we don't have a payment for it already, somebody else doing it for us. If we die in our sin, we're going to spend forever separated from God in hell. Good works won't take away the sin. Behaving won't take away the sin. The only thing that God accepts is a death payment. The good news of the Bible is that he himself, God the Son, took on flesh, entered the human race, Jesus Christ went to the cross. When he died on the cross, he made the complete payment for my sin. My entire life of sin, he paid for it all. The wages of sin is death. Yes, Jesus died for me. His death was for me. And he paid for my sin. He was buried and he came back from the dead. And all he asked me to do is to believe in him that he did that for me. I'm putting my faith in him as the one who died for my sin. And when I do, he gives me as a free gift everlasting life. And it's everlasting. He'll never lose me, never cast me out, no matter what. Jesus said in John 3.16, Jesus said, by the way, John 3.16, he's the one who said it, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, referring to himself, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a beautiful verse that is, right? More people have probably gotten saved on John 3.16 than any other verse. But now once you're saved, God says you're born into his family, and now he wants us to grow. And, you know, we're new to the family of God, and so we know God loves us, but those just may be words at the beginning. I know they were for me. 
We know he loves us because of what he did in sending Jesus. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. But he wants us to go on from there, and he wants us to grow and grow up spiritually to mature into a not only I'm saved now, but I'm a godly believer. I'm mature. I'm growing up. I'm helping other people. I'm having a ministry in other people's lives. Well, that's not just as we talked, we talked a lot last night about God goes deeper than the surface, okay? God deals with us. He wants to deal with us on a heart level, on our core level, the real us, our core, the innermost being. That's what he is really concerned with because it is from there, out of the heart proceed, good thoughts and bad thoughts, but it's a heart issue. And so he wants us to change and be transformed in our core as people, all right, as his children. And this is how real growth takes place. And these are the people who will run the race successfully because they're growing, because they're growing closer to him, because he's becoming more of a reality in your life each and every day as time goes on. And so in John 14, it's getting close to the end, you might say. He's going to be going to Gethsemane, all right? He's going to be very distraught there. And then the soldiers are going to come. He's going to get betrayed by Judas. They're going to take him off. There's going to be all these kangaroo trials, kangaroo court trials that he's going to go through. All of them were wrong, by the way. But still, the mob is going to have their way. And they're going to take him off, and Jesus is going to die. He's going to be buried. He's going to come back from the dead. But a day is coming. He is telling them here in this passage, I'm leaving you. Now think about this. These guys have left everything now for three years. Their whole life has changed. They're not doing what they used to do. Oh, it's there. They could go back to it, and some of them do a little bit. But they've left this life behind. They've been following him now for three years, going all over Israel preaching, being a part of his ministry, watching his miracles and all that. They have pledged allegiance to Jesus Christ. And he is saying now, by the way, things are heating up. Rome knows that things are hot. They're upset with the way things are going. He's, Jesus is getting big crowds. He says to that, he says to him here, I'm leaving. I'm leaving you. Now think about it. They've left everything and followed him for three years. He says, I'm leaving. And what do they have to face? Rome, angry Jewish people. And so here they are. Well, he tells them some very powerful things. In John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You see, talk is cheap. Obedience is the acid test for love. Somebody says they love the Lord, but they're not walking in obedience to God is a liar. We do not obey the word of God. We do not love the Lord because he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. When we see scripture, it is our place to submit to it and do what the scriptures say. For it is from the Lord himself. We show our love for the Lord by obeying his word. Verse 16, and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter, another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now this is interesting. He dwells with you and shall be in you. Now where he says, the Father will give you another comforter. The word another here is the word that means 
of the same kind, not another of a different kind. It's another of the same kind. In other words, I'm going to send you another comforter, somebody like me. Well, I'd say he was like him because he's talking about the Holy Spirit and they're one, right? You can't get any more like Jesus than God himself, the Spirit, or the Father, because they're all one. By calling him another, the Holy Spirit is put on the same level as Jesus is on. Notice that the Holy Spirit is a he here, not an it. I will send you another comforter. He said, he talked about that him, he's referred to as him here. And it says the Holy Spirit would abide with them forever. Now, the church age had not started yet. That was still coming on the day of Pentecost. This was looking forward to the church age where he says here, he dwelleth with you. And notice what Jesus said, and shall be what? In you. There's a distinction there. At this time, yes, the Holy Spirit dwelled with believers. He was with them. He would come upon them when they were doing works of God. But a day was coming when the Holy Spirit would actually come to live inside of believers and never leave them. This was something new. But this is the one that Jesus was sending to them. So notice that before the church age, the Holy Spirit would come and go upon people for service to the Lord. That's why it says he dwells with you. But after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit would come and indwell the believer for his entire life. And that's why he says he shall be in you. Okay, he shall be in you. Now, we know according to Ephesians 1.13, it says, In whom ye also trusted, Jesus, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise in us. We are sealed. How do I know I'm going to heaven? One of the reasons I know I'm going to heaven is because I am sealed by the Holy Spirit. Nobody can break the seal. Amen. I'm his possession. I'm his purchased possession, which is the earnest. The Holy Spirit is the earnest, the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So we are sealed with the Holy Spirit and we are also sealed according to Ephesians 4.30 by the Holy Spirit. So we see this is looking forward to the church age, but also this also points to the fact that once we are saved, we're always saved. You notice he said, I'm going to send the Spirit. He will abide with you how long? Forever. Forever. If you could lose your salvation, he, the Holy Spirit doesn't abide with you forever. So this is strong when it comes to the issue of eternal security. Now back to our text, John 14, 19, Jesus says, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall live also. Ye see me. I think the idea here is that they would see him when? After the resurrection. A little while they wouldn't see him. After that, you would see me. Verse 20. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. There was a lot of transition that was going to be taking place, okay? In the future, the disciples would come to a greater understanding of the union that there is between the Father and the Son, but also between them and the Lord as well. Between them and the Son, and them with the Father, and them with the Spirit. I'm talking about the disciples, just like us. When you get saved, you start learning about your relationship with the Father and with the Son and also with 
the Holy Spirit. But in the meantime, what is the issue? Well, they were learning that the Lord was leaving. And it isn't like today, you know. Yeah, it, it was sad when our two daughters left, moved away from Minnesota. And now, you know, uh, we see them maybe once or twice a year, or we can call them on the phone, or we can text them anytime, or we can FaceTime them. That's all good. We're glad we can do it. They didn't have any of that. This one who meant so much to them, they didn't have any of that. He was leaving. All they could do is trust that what he was telling them would be sufficient. But you know, they're human, folks. They're human. So how could they stay close with him even though he was gone? Again, no FaceTime, no Zoom calls. How could they stay close with him even though he was gone? And for us today, how can we really know Christ personally and for him to be truly real to us? We read about him. We know about him. We know a little bit about him. But how can we really have him become real in our lives? Well, this passage tells us in John chapter 14, verse 21, it says this, Jesus continues on and he says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loves me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Now remember, he's talking about once he's gone. He's already there at this point. He's with them physically. They can touch him. They can talk to him. They can pat him on the back. He can hug them. I mean, all of those things are there. He's leaving. So how in the world are they going to keep close and have a close relationship with him? Well, he says it's through keeping his commandments. Isn't that interesting? And I will love him and will manifest myself to them. Make myself known to him. So the answer is through a willing obedience to the word of God. And obedience that obeys because it is forced to is not willing obedience from the heart. And God is looking for a willing obedience from the heart. While obedience is always right, can I tell you this? While obedience is always right, whether you're willing or not, it's not all that God wants. He wants a willing obedience. You know as well as I do, if you have children who obey you, but you can tell they've got an attitude, that's not really obedience. They're doing what they're supposed to do on the outside, but in the inside, they hate it. They're against it. They don't like it. Maybe they don't even like you. Well, that's not what God wants, just going through the motions. God wants obedience. You know, no matter what, we should obey, but God wants it from the heart. He wants a willing obedience. Well, how do you move from just blindly doing it, which is better than not doing anything. But how do you move from that to the way God wants it to be to where we're actually motivated and willing to do it? Well, believe it or not, it's through obedience. And I'm going to show you that in just a minute. Jesus said, if you keep my words, if you keep my commandments, if you obey me, what will happen in time as a result of that is I am going to make myself known to you. Now, there's a lot of benefits in that, as we will see, okay? The keeping of Christ's commandments demonstrates love for Christ. 
We may not sense it, we may not feel it at the beginning, but it is eventually going to grow into that according to the scriptures. Now, it's a very interesting term here. He that loveth me, in verse 21, shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. I've wondered it myself in years, years ago, in verse 21, and I've had people ask me, wait a minute, doesn't God love me already? What do you mean I'll be loved of the father? I came over a really good, I believe, explanation of this in a commentary. Actually, it's a Wycliffe Bible commentary, and it said this, quote, this love invites the answering love of the Father. That's an interesting term. This love of us invites the answering love of the Father, whose love for the Son is such that he must love all who have love for him. Okay, let me say it again. This love invites the answering love of the Father, whose love for the Son is such that he must love all who have love for him. So look at the verse. He that hath my commandments and keepeth as he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me, God will answer that love. He'll be loved of the Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself or make myself known to him. Notice the promise here. They will be loved of the Father, the Son will love them, and he will manifest himself to them. The Lord will become real and close to the believer who willingly obeys the Lord and his word. Let me show this to you. Now, this is familiar to some of you. Some of you may have never seen this. Let's go see the chart. I call this a true growth chart of the Christian life, and I want to show you how this works because this is the way it works. You know, I I think of our kids in school, and and I understand where they're at, and with many of them, what they hear, they're just hearing words. These concepts are hard for them to grasp sometimes, but they're hearing words, and they know, okay, what's in the Bible, the Bible's right, I ought to do what the Bible says. All of that is correct. It's all correct. However, we want them to go further than that. We want them to have a heart relationship with the Lord. We want them to be serving the Lord intrinsically because they want to serve the Lord, not because they have to, not because their, their parents are hovering over them or their, their teachers or their pastor because the day's coming when they're leaving home. And if they don't have a, a heart love for God, they're probably going to quit serving him. That's bad. So here's where it begins. Through obedience. This is where it begins. That's what Jesus just said. It's through obedience. Through obedience, we obey the word of God. You might say, well, there's things in the Bible I don't understand. That's okay. Do what it says. Well, that's just blind obedience. Not for long. It's got to start somewhere. Through obedience, Jesus said he will reveal himself to us. He'll manifest himself to us. But it starts with obedience. Now watch. He'll manifest himself to us. Christ is revealed. As Christ is revealed to us, You can't help but love him and love him more. Do you find yourself any time, okay, don't don't raise your hand, but do you ever have times in your life, in your Christian life, where there's times where you just just pause and out of your heart, you just say, Lord, I just, I love you, Lord. I love you. That's the way it ought to be for us. Through obedience, Christ is revealed. As Christ is revealed, our love for him grows. As our love for him grows, you know what it does? You want to serve, you want to be a blessing to those you love. We become willing. Why? Because we want to be a blessing to him. As we become willing, willing what? Willing to obey him 
And as we obey him more, Christ is more revealed to us. He becomes more real to us. Our love for him continues to grow and blossom. It leads to being more willing to serve him, which leads us to obey him more. And you find all of a sudden you're in this wonderful cycle of growth in a Christian life. And you know what? You don't see the Bible as, well, that's just a bunch of rules in my life. No, you see the Bible as a love letter from your father talking to you to where you are benefiting from this and your life is being blessed and God is becoming real to you in your life. You start seeing your prayers answered. You start seeing evidences of him working in your life, even through things you prayed for and you see answers. And I'm talking about maybe even within a minute, you see an answer to something you just prayed for. It happens sometimes, right? How many of you know that happens sometimes? You experience that? Okay. You know what I'm talking about. This is absolutely a wonderful truth. But you know the problem? The opposite is also true. And where does it begin? With disobedience. Disobedience is not, this is what the Bible says, I refuse to do it, I'm going to do just the opposite. No, there's sins of commission, but there's sins of omission. Omission is not doing what we're supposed to do. Omission would be things like, okay, I'm not praying, I don't have time for prayer today. I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to go to church. I've got other ideas I want to do. I'm not going to go to church. Okay, and we start missing church and we start missing this. And you know what? Things are tight this week. I'm not going to give by faith to the Lord. Okay. Those are sins of omission. That's disobedience. Watch this. Through disobedience, Christ becomes hidden in your life. You start sensing there's a distance there. He's not as real as he was. You know what? When that happens, your love starts diminishing for him. And as your love diminishes, you become less willing to serve him because it seems like you're alienated. The reality's not there. Maybe start substituting the stuff of this world to fill the gap, to get some thrill, so to speak. And that filling the gap with something else, which by the way is idolatry, is going to lead you to become more disobedient and Christ will be further away, so it seems. We know the Holy Spirit lives within us and our live will continue to diminish. And after a while, you know, listen, you've heard me say it before, failure in a Christian life is seldom a blowout. It's usually a slow leak. This is how it works. But this is the way it's supposed to be right here. And that's exactly what John 14 is teaching. That's exactly what he's teaching. Look at verse 22. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, one Judas Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou will manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Now, he was not thinking spiritually, of course. He was thinking more physically. Verse 23, Jesus keeps on topic. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Okay, it's the idea of being at home with him. Okay, it doesn't mean that uh, some weird thing. He'll make our abode. This has to do with a close, intimate walk of fellowship. Verse 24, he that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. Go back to the chart. Look at this. He that loveth me not, this diminishes, keepeth not my sayings. Disobedience. Love wanes, disobedience grows. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's 
which sent me. Okay? Our next point, number three, if we do not keep his words, we do not love him, regardless of what we say. There is an inseparable link between loving the Lord and obeying his word. 1 John 5, 3 says this, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Look at that. And his commandments are not burdensome. No, not when you love the Lord, they're not. They're your delight. This is so important, folks. Verse 25, these things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the comforter, remember he was talking about him, who is he? Read on, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world give, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When the comforter comes, what would he do? He'd bring comfort to them. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Okay, the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, and now he indwells every believer. You notice this here? One of the main reasons he was sent was to bring comfort and peace to us. So if you are saved, the Holy Spirit lives within you. You have the Holy Spirit with you. Are you experiencing comfort and peace? in your Christian life. We should be. That's the way it is. Here's the truth of it. If I am living under his control, I should experience the peace of God. I should not be living in fear as a Christian because that's contrary to what the Holy Spirit's doing in my life. He's working to bring peace into my life. He's working to bring comfort in my life. As a matter of fact, his name is Comforter. It's one of his names. So if I am not getting comfort from the Lord, if I'm stressed out about everything in life, I'm not listening to God. I'm not paying attention to Him. Peace is actually part of the fruit of the Spirit, is it not? Galatians 5 verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. What does that mean? If I am under the control of the Holy Spirit, I will be manifesting peace, in my life. I will not be walking in fear because fear is like God isn't even in existence. No, I can walk in peace, trusting him with this. Folks, we have such an awesome God and the Lord wants us to grow closer to him and for him to be more and more real to us. And the more, if we want him to be real to us, it begins with obedience to his word. And hopefully, obedience intrinsically. In other words, working from the inside out. One of the things we covered last night at Men of God was that the people that Jesus was hardest on were the hypocrites. It were those who were pretending, pretending. They were religious, but they were not right on the inside. Now, Christians cannot be right on the inside and still be saved, but God wants us not only saved, he also wants us right on the inside as far as walking with him. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, trust Him as your Savior. That's where it begins. You're not a child of God until you do. Not everybody's a child of God. I know there are people who say, well, everybody's a child of God. No, they're not. They're a creation of God. They are fearfully and wonderfully made. But you're not a child of God until you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. So trust Him if you haven't done that. 
Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.